Are you seeking fulfillment for your life? Do you want freedom from fear? That's why we're here. Welcome to Jesus 101, introducing you to the real Jesus. And now, here's your host, Elizabeth Talbot with Mike Tucker. I'm Mike Tucker. And I'm Elizabeth Talbot. Elizabeth, my friend had dreamed all of his life of being a pastor of a particular congregation. Mm -hmm. It was a congregation he'd grown up in, actually, and he loved the church, he loved the people, and he wanted, above everything else, to pastor there. But it was a fairly large congregation. Now, he received an invitation to be their pastor when he was still fairly young in ministry, but wisely he realized he did not have the skills or the experience necessary to be an effective pastor in that church at that time. Uh, it takes a big man to, to know that. No, you're it? right. It does. And so he turned down the invitation because he did not feel that it was God's timing yet in hmm. his life. Hmm. And about 10 years later, the invitation came again. And now he had a full decade worth of experience that he did not possess before. Hmm. And he accepted the invitation this time, and it really turned out to be the right time because he was very successful in that pastorate. And as he looked back, he realized that the skills he had acquired in the last decade were the skills that really made it possible for him to be successful. You know, it's interesting what you're saying, because this is one of the things I probably have struggled with throughout my life, especially in ministry. Um, I had a very wise uh, mentor who now has passed, and he um, used to tell me, uh, don't make things happen, let them happen. Yeah. And, and I understand there's people with other personalities that, that need encouragement <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to make things happen. I'm not one of those people, because mm -hmm. I'm always running ahead of God, especially when it has to do with, <laughs> with ministry because I want to do things, mm -hmm. and sometimes I can get ahead of him, you mm -hmm. know. And I admire uh, the story that we're going to actually review today of David. David has been anointed king by God. Mm -hmm. He knows the promise of God that he will be king of Israel. And he has a moment here where he could take over and say, okay, this is the time. I mean, right. um, because on top of the fact that the appointment wasn't coming, on top of that, Saul was persecuting him and bothering him and bugging him. I mean, David was... Uh, probably second-guessing uh, at yeah. this moment. He certainly had an excuse to take matters in his own hands because, after all, he's been promised, and so he could have moved ahead. Actually, I'd like to contrast his story with the story of Jacob, hmm. who had the promise of the birthright, and yet Jacob tried to take matters in his own hands by deceiving his brother Esau mm -hmm. and by deceiving his own father, Isaac, yeah. in order to take things. And that turned out to be a disaster for yes. him. Yes, that's the thing with Moses. When he was going to liberate uh, you know, right. Israel, he started killing yeah. you know, <laughs> Egyptians. Yeah, one at a time. I guess yeah. he's going to kill them all until he <laughs> can get right. his people out of there. That's but, right. but David yeah. was wise, and he did not take matters in his own hands. And mm -hmm. he also respected the, the Lord's anointed, as we're going to find out later as we read this story. This is a very interesting story because uh, we have uh, left David in this uh, season of caves in our previous uh, program. And we find him again in another cave in chapter 24 of 1 Samuel. And actually, he is with all his people. Remember, he has 600 men uh, that were distressed. and Everyone he, in debt, everyone who, <laughs> who was, was angry with the king, everyone who was depressed, they're all with him, yeah. and it was such a fun group to be hanging out with in a cave. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're increasing. First he has 400 men, then yeah. he has 600, 600 men. So here we find all of them inside a cave, and uh, Saul hears uh, the area that they're at and decides to go after them with 3,000 men. I mean, look yeah. at how much he's, you know, much bigger his, his Certainly forces. Certainly has superior forces Absolutely. here. Absolutely. So we can take it from verse 2, if you would like. Then Saul 
took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the rocks of the wild goats. He came to the sheepfolds on the way where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the inner recesses of the cave. Now this is a funny scene. You know, Saul needs to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And he has to go somewhere and there's no bathroom anywhere, so yeah. he's going to go inside the cave. You have a little privacy, right? That's all. He just doesn't realize that David and 600 of his closest <laughs> friends are watching. And, and I mean, this must have been a big cave. And and yeah. I can imagine, I mean, I would pay a million dollars to see the body language of the soldiers of David mm-hmm. when they see their enemy come he in and here he is the most vulnerable vulnerable a man can be. His yeah. pants are down and, mm-hmm. and, you know, they're watching and, and they say to David, this is your moment. Yeah. The Lord has given Saul into your hands. I mean, what? how much better can it get yeah. than this? Well, in fact, but David responded to them, far be it from me to me because of the Lord that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him. So David here saying there's a greater principle here. Even though this man is not going to be on the throne forever, and even though it's been promised to me, right now, today, at this moment, this man is the Lord's anointed, and I'm not going to touch him. Yeah, it's very interesting because before David gets to that conclusion, he actually does this little mischievous thing on yeah. verse 4. He yeah. goes, and Saul is going into the bathroom, so David arose, says verse 4, and cut off the edge of Saul's robe secretly. <laughs> it's almost like, I'm going to show him that he was so close to me. Mm-hmm. Now, I wanted to bring a, a couple of customs that are very interesting. You know, the king had its own hem that was distinctive. Like the high priest in Exodus 28 had his own hem uh, mm-hmm. Shows for high priest. Well, the train of the king's robe was very significant in yes. ancient times because the longer the robe, the greater the realm that yeah. he, he reigned over. Correct. And so each train was very significant and very distinct. And even the hem of his garment that he would wear in battle was, yeah, was, absolutely, was the same thing. Absolutely, because he was the king. And, you know, uh, cutting somebody's hem meant a lot more than it would to us in our culture. It wasn't just a prank or an act of vandalism. No, absolutely not. See, in Akkadian literature, for example, divorce was done this way. If a man wanted to divorce his wife, he would cut off the hem of the wife's robe, Mm -hmm. and that meant divorce. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot more here. I mean, in this case, David had to pass three specific desires of his heart. First, for vengeance, because Mm -hmm. this this man has driven him crazy. Yeah, and certainly you would understand that he had the perceived right to take vengeance on this man because of all the things he's done to him. Mm-hmm. David and, has been innocent before him. Yeah, and many of us, you know, when we're promised something by God, we have a hard time, including myself, waiting for him to fulfill it because mm-hmm. it was his promise. Mm-hmm. And instead of taking, you know, matters in his own hand, he had to wait. But here he has the, the possibility to take vengeance in his hands. And, and many of us fall uh, in this trap That's sometimes. Right. And the second thing was that he could get the appointment of kingship right there. Right now. If he kills Saul, then he could take over That's the right. throne. And because the, Jonathan had already said, you're the next one. Absolutely. So, so he knew there was no going to yeah, be He's not going to stand in his absolutely. way. It's going to take place. Yes. And the third thing was to simply remove the threat and be at peace. Mm-hmm. I mean, the three things are good things mm-hmm. that he passed over in order to be humble to God's watch instead of his own watch. So the end does not always justify the means. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Especially when we have a promise of the Lord. See, a lot of people, and many of us uh, have struggled with this, 
is might think of violating a Bible principle that we know mm-hmm. to be true simply because we're saying, well, yeah, but the time is going away. I mean, I can think of a single woman that says, well, my biological clock is ticking, so I'm just going to sleep with somebody and, mm-hmm. and have a baby now, even though I'm not married and it's not the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of things we struggle with that we want to make happen now, and it's hard to wait, and in the process we might violate biblical principles. We, we know that the time is not God's time if in order to get to the the promised end, we have to violate a biblical principle. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what David is saying here. It is not God's time because in order to seize that which he has promised me, I would have to violate a very specific biblical principle, and I'm not going to do it. In this case, thou shalt not kill. Yes. So it's not just the fact that he doesn't want to kill somebody, is that the king's position was an anointed position of the Lord. So this is the verse that Mike read before in chapter 24, verse 6. He said to his men, far be it from me because of the Lord that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. Mm-hmm. So he's still calling Saul the Lord's anointed. Even because though he is. Yeah. Yes, but he it's, is. Hard. it's hard he, in this circumstances. He's not acting like the Lord's anointed. He's not behaving as God's man, but he is still God's man because God has not taken this anointing away from him. And then uh, Saul leaves the cave on verse 7, and he has no idea what has happened while mm-hmm. he was in there. So when he's far away enough that David feels safe, on verse 11, he talks to Saul, and I love uh, what he calls him. He calls him father, because after yeah. all, David is Saul's uh, son-in-law. Mm-hmm. He says, Now my father, see, indeed, see the edge of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the edge of your robe and did not kill you. Know and perceive that there is no evil or rebellion in my hands, and I have not sinned against you, though you are lying in wait for my life to take it. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. And then he says to him, and this is a sign of humility in that culture, to call yourself um, Mm -hmm. self-deprecating terms like dog or flea. He says on verse 14, after whom has the king of Israel come out? I mean, you are the king of Israel, Saul. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Whom are you pursuing? A dead dog? A single flea? I mean, he's talking about himself. Why and- are you wasting your time on me? I've done you no harm. I'm not. I'm of no real significance to you. Why are you wasting your time? Here? Yes, and it's really interesting because in verse 16, Saul lifted up his voice and just wept aloud. You know, he realizes for a moment, but in two chapters, he's back at he's it. He's back at the same thing again. There's a moment of lucidity when he begins to realize who he is and what he's done, but you, now he goes back at it again. Sometimes it's hard to know your timing, but sometimes God does reveal promises to you that he's going to bring about, and we want to take it in in our own hands. You know, Jesus seemed to know his time all the time. In the Gospel of John, the hour equals the cross. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus constantly says, my hour is not yet here. My hour is not yet here. Until one day he says, the hour is here. John 13, 1, now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So, the he said, hour my hour has come. come. Yes, yeah. and you can see it in seventeen one in many places where Jesus actually knew the cross was his hour. And he is the one that has planned the timing of the universe, including the sacrifice uh, that would uh, be needed for our salvation. God knows your hour. He knows when the timing is right for you. And you trust Him. Don't move ahead without His moving. Don't move ahead by violating Scripture. Trust Him, and He will fulfill His promises to you when the time is right. Thank you for joining us today on Jesus 101. For more insights and resources, connect with us at Jesus101.tv. That's Jesus101.tv. Like us on Facebook 
at facebook.com forward slash Jesus 101 Institute and follow us on Twitter at Jesus 101 Media. Until next time, live free.